0: Hello there. Thanks for stopping in. And you have my permission to eavesdrop on this phone call. You're listening to the DMA podcast, eavesdropping on John Herzog's phone calls. And that's me, John Herzog. You know, in our business, um, we rely on and talk to and know and meet um, experts in our field, in our industry. Uh, We certainly are um, connected with a great deal of Uh, Excellent, uh, award-winning food service directors, hospital administrators, designers, chefs, culinary folks, RDs, leadership experts. But I'm going to call Patty Dollarhyde. She is an expert about being an expert. She's uh, got such a unique background that qualifies her to have... um, A wealth of information on such a wide range of topics, particularly in um, beef, cattle and sustainability of food from all sides. So I'm eager to talk to Patty. I have never actually met her, but we've shared a certain time at um, conferences and um, I've communicated with her uh, via social media and have uh, watched her. Fish Talks, um, which is an AHF version of TED Talks. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to give Patty Dollar Hyde a call today, and I hope you'll eavesdrop and join me.
1: Good morning. This is Patty.
0: Hey, Patty. It's John Herzog from DMA. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you. Getting a nice little rain out here this morning.
0: Thank oh, you. that's important to you. Are you on your farm currently?
1: I am. I am. I'm looking out the window.
0: Uh, That's I'm completely envious. Um, my, my father-in-law is a, a, a farm a second or third generation family farm in Springfield, Kentucky raised cattle along with uh, plenty of tobacco and some other things. So um, we, we go there on the holidays and sit on the porch and look out at the fields and there is no place that uh, I would rather be to calm down. <laughs> of course, I guess you're not necessarily always calm on your farm, right?
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I came back to the farm after being a food service director and being in food sales and working in uh, academia. And so now I'm back on the farm and it, things have changed a lot in the 40 years. Um, so I'm, it's kind of a relearning experience for me. And I would have to agree that it's not always calm.
0: Well, you know, uh, you've mentioned some of the things that you've done. Uh, I was looking at your um, LinkedIn page and th- therefore your resume and, and, you know, I've heard of, of you. I don't believe that I've ever actually met or spoken to you, but I know that our paths have crossed at various conferences and so forth. And your uh, resume, the, the breadth of knowledge that you have particularly focused around our industry is amazing. You worked for Cargill, you worked for US Foods, you were a director for both a smaller facility and a large facility. You're actually pr- raising the food that we uh, are, are consuming and, and purchasing. You were vet tech back in the day. I mean, I don't know what there is missing out of your uh, circle of knowledge that, that would not positively impact the a food service director.
1: Well, I would have to say I've seen the food industry from a lot of different viewpoints and what it's taught me. I, I really don't recommend that everybody has to work in every area. <laughs> yeah, right. work, understand it. It's been an interesting journey, but I would have to say every time I find out that I sure don't know the whole story and that there's so much to learn. When I came back to the farm, I thought, oh, this will be great. It's coming full circle. And the next thing you know, I'm having to learn about cover crop. I'm learning about, you know, different processes that they use now for handling cattle than when I was here before. And so even though I did come back to visit like you and sat on the porch, um, now that I'm actually having to fill out the paperwork for the farm policy and to um, understand better about how these things work, that's probably my biggest uh, takeaway from all those positions was, until you walk in the shoes, you don't always um, see see it the, the way you might from the outside. And with COVID and the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of finger pointing going on with um, you know, processing and why isn't there food on my shelf? And it was just fascinating because I was like, I can understand. I can understand both sides of this.
0: So uh, what if you think back at all, all of your jobs, I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot. I know that you obviously, you know, got a lot of information and learned a lot from each of them. But what what looking back, which ones do you think you um, learned the most? Um, had the biggest learning curve, and maybe was the most challenging. Um, and or which one provided you with like the biggest surprise? You know, were you surprised at anything you learned at U.S. Foods, or um, even your days, or your first early days as a director?
1: Oh. That is, a, that is putting me on the spot, but I will say that working for Cargill was the most eye-opening. Mm,
0: I can because, imagine that, yeah.
1: You know, there's such a big food, um, food provider and food marketer and just in all different areas of the world, and to have the opportunity to go into their facilities um, as a salesperson, they wanted us to see firsthand, you know, what is a turkey facility? processing look like, what's involved, mm-hmm. you know, going into the beef operations, to the pork operations. They gave me opportunities that as a dietitian, I wouldn't have been able to pull back the curtain and see. And what I, my takeaway from that is they have very responsible, educated people in those roles. And there's, again, so much to learn. And as a food service director, sometimes I think, you know, do we trust the salesperson? You know, are they giving us the full story? And I think that's one of the things that um, Healthcare Food Service, AHF has done such a good job of, is they've showed us how we can partner with the industry as opposed to, um, you know, maybe not being as transparent. But understanding that those people have a lot of knowledge and can really help us um, was really eye opening. But again, to be able to go to I, I got to I got to be trained under Temple Grandin for three days, who is, um, an autistic food, um, food and agriculture scientist at Colorado State. And, you know, to have that opportunity was, was really good. And so, again, I went to Cargill thinking I knew something about food. And after day one, I realized um, there was a lot more.
0: I could appreciate that for sure. There was a, when I was early um, in my director career, um, went to California, and uh, visited um, Taylor Farms, one of the big pro- producers of produce, and just being through, you know, driving through the fields. I had never really been to California, mm-hmm. and and to see the operations there. I mean, certainly coming from Kentucky and Illinois, mm-hmm. I, I knew what a farm was and I understood it, but until you really see the mass production of you know really quality produce, um, it, it, and and how it, you know, they the care that they take and uh, some of their challenges and then the flavor of, you know, eating a strawberry right out of the Mm -hmm. ground, you know, and and side by side with the guys, you know, hand picking the cabbage and and so forth. It really did. I I came back with a complete different, different view of, you know, our produce cooler. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is, I can definitely understand how that that might've added to your, well, so I guess did that fuel your fire, do you think to, to -hmm. go ahead and and buy your, um, your dad's farm? (laughs)
1: Oh Lord, I I think you, you know, farming is an an, um, occupation that it doesn't always make a lot of financial sense. Yeah. There's always this kind of this tug of, you know, owning a piece of property and, and being part of something. And so probably for me, what, what sealed the, the deal was my brother went back to home to farm after he went to college. And um, so I had somebody that would help me with this and to be my farmer and I wanted to support the family. So yeah, that's probably how it all ended up. And I will, I will have to admit it's been harder coming back home than I thought it would be. And there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of things going on in agriculture right now. Um, So, but I'm still glad I did it.
0: Good. Good. Yeah. Well, I I was, like I said, I was watching your, um, your fish talk. That is the AHF version of kind of a TED talk, things that we do, uh, the AHF does at their conference. And uh, it it was fantastic um, seeing the pictures, your slides of the farm and your story um, was really, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I I think I would recommend anyone that's interested in what a farm, a sustainable farm um, looks like now to go on uh, YouTube and check that out for sure. Um, but, but you, you know, you mentioned working with the directors and understanding where their food comes from. I mean, what, what are some things that food service directors today, you know, can do uh, to perpetuate um, more locally sourced or sustainable products or um, just better, fresher, uh, nutritious food in general? I'm, I mean, we're asked to do so much and to know so much as a director um, what, what are some of the things you think that that we all as directors should be looking at?
1: I think that's a great question, because the things that you're asking about, um, you really can't see. Like if you buy a, a food item and I'll just go back to the protein category, because that's where I've been working at um, in the last few years. If you look at a, at a um, piece of pot roast, you can judge it by quality you've been trained to judge it by how it tastes and you know you look at the price point but you really can't really judge the production process if if your customers are interested in where did it come from so those are things that are new to us and you know why do we need to know this well because we want to be responsive to our customers we care about you know how we feed people we want to show that we're continuously working to get better So my message with the local piece is different foods um, in different regions of the country, things work differently. So, for example, is locally always best for some products? Yes. And depending on how the buying relationship can be set up. But as a food service director, you know, we have so many things to deal with, whether it's human resource issues, um, you know, pandemics, all these different things that have been, happening that um, we kind of take for granted and we learn to trust some of the people that we purchase food from. So I would never discount my um, my group, my uh, purchasing group, my distributor, uh, and all those people to help me make sure that I'm dealing with reputable, reputable things. Now, when I have a food budget, I wanna spend it in the way that, that makes a difference. And so everyone's looking for ways to differentiate their product, right? So as a nutritionist, you know, people are always putting claims that we have to dig a little deeper and say, is this claim, does this claim make a difference? Is it really, so it's gluten-free? Well, maybe it never had any gluten to start with. And same thing happens with production methods. You know, we have, we're dealing with commodity products that we're looking to get a little bit higher margin on. So if something is, eats grass, does that make it a better buy for my food service operation? Am I doing the right thing? Or do I want to learn a little bit more about that, that all cat, for example, a ruminant, all all cattle eat grass. And so, you know, what is the differentiator there? So I I just think we have a big responsibility to understand a little bit more about this rather than um, listen to all the buzzwords out there. And again, really agriculture is a lot like, but we have to deal with the nutrition. Everyone's an expert. Yeah. You know, somebody probably has a yard they take care of, or a garden, or those kinds of things, and, or a pet. And so they're, they're looking to give us advice. And, you know, I, one food service director said it very eloquently. He said, you know, he said, now that we're back at work, he goes, everybody watched a lot of documentaries while they were at home.
0: <laughs> You know, I, that's a great point. I'm sure I, I did. So I'm sure people have. You're yeah. right, and then they're going to come back with all of this, not so, you know, supposed knowledge. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that's a really interesting point.
1: Well, who watched them? Who are you talking about? Like the nurses and like everybody. He goes, they all have come back and asked me questions. So anyway, <laughs> I thought that was funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're You're 100% correct. Everybody is. It's, it's that old thing. Like I'll tell people when they ask, you know, well, what are you in Well, I'm in hospital food, you know, healthcare food service. And um, of course there's still, even though there's been amazing um, improvements all across the board and you know, we see it all the time in our line of work, even, even the places now that we're going to help are already leaps and bounds, you know, from where, where it used to be. Um, but still you get the eye roll, you know, and um then I'll talk about a particular, particularly challenging, you know, series of changes or, or shifts or, you know, problems. And, and it just doesn't seem like they're, they get it sometimes how difficult it is, you know, to feed several hundred people, three times a day, 200, you know, every day of the year. Um, and within a minimal budget and, and under, you know, close scrutiny and much closer, um, regular, you know, much more closely regulated than, than restaurants. Um, so yeah, there is a lot more to it, certainly, but everybody eats, everybody cooks. Like you said, everybody has a pet, so they feel like they uh, know. Um, but let me ask you about, um, the Beef Cattle Institute. Um, uh, and you are the director of, uh, Beef Value Chain Alliances. Is that, um, is that correct?
1: Yes, that's my title. And um, it was a new position when they hired me. They never had a dietitian on their staff.
0: And that's at Kansas State University?
1: Yes, Kansas State. Um, it's a um, it's a land-grant university, one of the first in the country, and very ag-related. Um, this, this institute is really a combination of uh, the uh, animal science department in the veterinary school and they wanted, they do a lot of work for producers. Their target audience is really producers and veterinarians. And per, by producers, I mean beef cattle producers, whether they be the cow calf operators or the people that work in feedlots or you know, anywhere along the supply chain. But, and then veterinarians. And so, you know, what does a dietitian have to contribute? Um, they see a need for telling our story a little better. And the way, you know, there's only 2% of the population that's or in the United States that's involved with agriculture. So of that 2%, they really like to talk to each other. And they talk in terms that we, it's very kind of, you almost need someone to decode it like we do in healthcare when we start yeah. talking about DRGs and this and that. All right. <laughs> they have the same lingo and they are very proud of the progress that has been made in agriculture. And when I, you mentioned I was a vet tech and. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, you'd go to a feedlot and there would be a lot of hooping and hollering and dust flying and, you know, the cowboys out there. And the change that I have seen in in the way a feedlot operates now, where it's very quiet, cattle are very um, content, unprovoked, um, a whole different atmosphere. So there's been a ton of progress in animal welfare, in animal handling, in the way we do things. but how do we communicate that to the customers that the food service director is trying to work with? You know, what, what kind of words can we give them so when someone asks us about are you taking good care of the animals, that we can assure them that we are buying that we're being responsible? So that's kind of my role at this point. We we did a tour at Kansas State where we brought in uh, healthcare food service directors. Um, a couple of people you might know, Ryan Conklin, who's the yep. incoming president, uh, Bill Marks, who was silver plate last year. We brought some college university folks. And, you know, the things that we take for granted, they were they were blown away. I'll, Bill Marks had my favorite quote. He said, you know, I'm really disappointed. He goes, I can't believe I learned so much. <laughs> 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 comment. He goes, I've been in this business for a long time. And he goes, I...
0: Can't believe I learned so much.
1: Uh,
0: that's awesome. So. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm c- certain that um, you're you have heard much about over the last few years, and I saw it starting out like I think three years ago at the National Restaurant Association Show. The big push to uh, have n- non-meat alternatives. Um, you know, as and now it's reached as far as I think even White Castle has some kind of a non meat alternative. So mm-hmm. that clearly has an impact in in the um, agriculture world. Uh, what what do you what do you think is the future of that? And is there room for for that at the table?
1: You know, I I am not as worried about that as some of the other people in the meat business. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm being a Pollyanna, but. I kind of look at it as a rebranding. You know, we had vegetarian beef or bean burgers. We've had them for a long time. Yeah. But vegan wasn't really resonating with the public these days. And so they've, re- they've done a fabulous job of rebranding it, uh, talking about, um, you know, plant-based. Plant has this health halo. Yes. And you go back to the nutritionals, if you really study the nutritionals, People will say, well, there's actually more processing being done with these types of products. Is there room for both? I, I would say yes. You know, I kind of embrace it because I've been trying to get people to eat more plants, more fruits and vegetables my whole career. Yeah. I haven't done a very good job of it. If you look at the, the, um, the data on what people eat in the United States, we still only eat 10% of the, you know, the fruit and vegetables that we're supposed to eat. Um, so, and there's going to be more people in the world as we make, as we look at the entire system, global system, there's a huge protein needs in the world. Now there's a lot of marketing dollars being put behind these products. And again, you see a lot of buzz out there. So I guess it's back to that being the food expert in your facility, you know, really take a look at the nutrition labels, you know, am I getting what I'm paying for? Can I get the profit? from that, is this really a good buy? And we have a responsibility because we're dealing with um, public tax dollars. You know, how are we spending them? And, and does it make a difference for our patients, our customers? Um, You know, everybody has an agenda when it comes to uh, marketing and that kind of thing. So I guess I would just encourage people to, um, to look beyond that. And Frank Mitlow is a is a prominent climate uh, scientist at um, UC Davis. He he said that if you really look at the labels on a plant-based burger and dog food, there's really not much difference. So <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of fascinating. So you know they're processed ingredients, they're processed products. Yeah. Uh, is there anything wrong with them? No. I mean, I would I've eaten them. Um, do I think that would I? you know, has, has some of the big names like Cardinal and Tyson gotten behind them because they think they're better for the environment. My guess would be no, it's more of a marketing. Um, there's, a, there's a food category opportunity to grow, you know. So I, I don't know, I guess it depends on what your, what your values are. I'm not, a, I'm, not, um, I'm not against them, but again, I don't know if it's the silver bullet that's gonna solve all the problems.
0: Right. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, it is the, the egg products are really interesting. It's hard to tell. I I, have
1: not tried those.
0: Yeah. I was, I got to say, I was incredibly skeptical and almost to the point of really not wanting to taste it. But, you know, obviously I I wanted to learn about it and know what they're, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was really good. Like I went back to the booth, I haven't walked around for a little while and I saw like I said, at that food show and, I came back, it was really, um, really impressive, but you know, cost wise, I, you know, I don't know. And then getting particularly in our, our market, you know, it's, it's difficult to change. Like you were saying, our, our diet still as a whole, it uh, needs a lot of work. And, um, you know, particularly in our, our spot, we're, we're trying to provide a a level of comfort and ensure that they, you know, from on the cap on the retail side, and then the patient side, of course, you want to make sure that you're, Patients are eating what they like so that they'll actually eat it and get whatever nutritional value they can from it as part of the healing. So we've got a little bit of a more stringent uh, set of criteria, I guess, but I was impressed with the eggs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I gotta say, I'm, I, I've only had one, but I, I thought the, uh, the meatless Whopper was, was pretty, pretty good. Surprisingly good also. Wow.
1: Uh, you know, I applaud the innovation, you know, yeah, I, well,
0: exactly I'm that, really, right.
1: you know, People are trying different things. Um, you know, we, we have to, like you say, it's a journey. We have to continue to get better. And you mentioned driving through California and, and seeing the produce. One of the things that I noticed when I was out there was we went through Harris Beef, which does a lot of, um, you know, niche marketing and um, differentiating. But the almond fields out there in California and just the continuous issue with water. And some of these products with the plant-based, when you go back and, okay, it's hard to look at it just from one sustainability metric. So are we looking at, you know, methane production? Are we looking at, um, you know, over the water consumption? Are we looking at, um, you know, all these different things that go into our food system? So sometimes it's a trade-off. You know, we may reduce something on one, in one category, but we may blow it up on another. And I would say water usage is one of those things that is um, is, is a very precious commodity that we have to be aware of.
0: Now, that's a great point. And uh, I I remember w- years ago when it first when sustainability and eco friendly packaging was kind of the rage uh, among all of the you know big big three vendors. Um, you know I, I as a director wanted of course to learn about it, and our hospital green committee was eager to jump on board um but then if you really look start start looking at it i mean of course the cost was literally at that time like three times for Mm -hmm. you know the cost of we're when you're using styrofoam but or plastic but as as it i progressed and looked at the research it really turned out there were several reports that showed that the absolute at that time most which was be maybe the early 2000s the most um, eco-friendly purchase you could make is a plain white styrofoam cup because there was uh, the the energy used to produce it was so much smaller than the energy used to produce all of the new items with you know dyes and colors mm. for logos and multiple steps in the in the process in processing. So you know that's not very um, a very romantic uh, report, but but I, and and it certainly didn't sell the case because you don't feel very good at, you know holding a styrofoam cup as opposed to a 100% compostable cup even though you may not be able to compost that cup because your you know county dump does not have that kind of facility so it's basically like throwing the same thing away anyways i digress but i get your point entirely um that we should and that just kind of ec- know about the products we're buying and that just kind of echoes your sentiment that you know the directors were asked to know so much um it's nice to know that there are resources out there like yourself and the uh, Beef Cattle Institute and certainly the AHF where, where folks could go to get some um, more insight and information on, on some of the decisions they're going to have to make.
1: I love your story about this styrofoam cup because you're able to tell that story then to your customers. So then we kind of help remove that guilt, right?
0: Right. That's right. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's, it, I, I wouldn't be a fan like if it was my restaurant, I'd probably, you know, succumb and go ahead and get the other kinds. But I think at the time we I was able to convince them to stick with that. Um, I mean, it's a financial impact, uh, obviously, you know, in all, every hospital current specifically now. I mean, they're going to be scrambling for dollars, I would imagine. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I. Patty, I, I, we could talk. For, I could talk to you for another 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, multiple times. You've got so much information and, and such an interesting uh, path um, that's that's led you to a really cool place. Um, and, and I didn't even ask you about your time as a president of the AHF. So it sounds like I'm going to have to uh, give you another call. If you, hey,
1: that'd be just fine. I'm All here. Right. <laughs> I'm here drinking my coffee, looking out
0: the window. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you clearly love talking, you know, talking about it and you're, you, um, are, it's your passion. And uh, like I said, it's, it's the sustainability and beef and the diet and, and from all different perspectives, purchasing local sustainability, all of these things are, are currently, and will continue to be on the minds of our uh, directors and the people that are in our industry. So, Thanks very much for talking to me today, Patty, and um, enjoy the rest of your day out there in beautiful central Kansas.
1: Thank you, John. Enjoyed it also.
0: All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Hey, that was fantastic. I fully intend to call Patty Dollarhide back and learn even more. Uh, she's a wealth of information and just a joy to speak with. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you should definitely go check out her Fish Talk, the AHF. Conference version of TED Talks on um, YouTube. So just Google or go to YouTube and search Patty Dollarhide AHF, and I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, well worth your time and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, if you like what you hear, the DMNA podcast eavesdropping on John Herzog's phone calls, which is me, John Herzog. Uh, why not share us with some of your friends? Certainly follow us on whatever platform. Uh, wherever you receive your podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Come back often and let me know what you think.